why did you bring me all the way here for these disappointments? Why did you you bring me here? And, and some of the work, I just feel like, what, what are we doing? What is the point of us being here? You know, I didn't hear a distinct answer in the moment, but then I just was like, man, Lord, I want to be a missionary. So I started repraying that prayer, Lord, I want to be a missionary, but I want to go home. And then I said, Lord, what will you do about this? When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on the places between. I just love how God leads us through our journeys and stuff. By that, I mean when we're really going through it and we take the opportunity to be authentic and vulnerable before Him with our stuff. He really does have grace for that and oftentimes will speak His heart back to us when we're listening. Today's conversation reminded me that oftentimes on paper, things won't make sense, but when you're following the peace that only God can offer in the journey, while the world may be shouting at you one thing, it will be the peace that He leads you with that covers everything, whether it makes sense or not. Lauren Labat is a dear friend from years back, and funny enough, we have quite the history of funny and fun interactions. From basketball Maui to cheering her on in her recent and epic global adventures with YWAM, it's been a joy to watch from a distance the journey and adventurous life that she gets to live, while also intersecting at points along my journey, where we could often relate to the deep hopes and desires of our heart of wanting to impact the world for Jesus and hold a space for love and relationships to come. I just love how God writes our stories, though, when we partner with Him. And I'm so excited to have Lauren share more of her story with you today. She talks all about her new adventure with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and her love of Maui, where she calls home, too. Her desire is to see revival in the islands, and she believes that God wants to meet people and give them hope and a future. And she's using her call to missions right in Hawaii to be a light right where he's called her. It's in our time today that she has some really amazing and sweet stories and moments to share that will be so encouraging to you in your journey too. So why don't you pull up a chair, grab that cup of coffee, and dive in with us to The Places Between. Hi, Lauren. 
good to Hi, see you. Hi, how are you doing? Good to see you too. I love technology because you're four hours different and we can still connect. Yeah. It's so funny. My dad will always, whenever we FaceTime, he'll be like, can you believe this? I'm here. You're there. And we're seeing each other. And I'm like, yeah, that would be wild growing up in a generation where you don't have that. And then all of a sudden you have it. Yeah. I know all the technology that our parents didn't grow up with. Well, okay. We're going to just dive right in because I know some listeners are probably so eager to get to know who you are. And hopefully a number of listeners already know a bit about your story. But for those that don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about who is Lauren? Where do you call home? And maybe what's one of the great joys as of late? Yeah. Well, that's like a fun question. I was actually processing that quite a bit. It's been like, who is Lauren? Like, because I think it's so easy in our culture to be like, oh, here's what I do. What I do is X, Y, and Z. But like, I think there was this like Mother Teresa quote that said something about like, your vocation is just not who you are. And we've come to believe that for some reason. And so like, who is Lauren? I would say I'm a dreamer, <laughs> I'm a big time dreamer, visionary, a risk taker. I love being with people. I love traveling. I love any opportunity to like see change in the world, even if it's on us, what we feel is a smaller scale in our community or around us. I just love any opportunity I get to be with people and to impact lives. And so super extrovert, can't get away from it. <laughs> I've tried, I've tried becoming an introvert. Sometimes I'm jealous of introverts because they're just so calm and they just hang at home. And I'm like, I can't after about three, four hours. I'm like, well, what are people doing around town? <laughs> like who's doing what? So yeah, I would say that's like a huge part of my personality. There's like many pieces, many levels to all of us, right? But yeah, that's who I am. And then I think, uh, yeah, I just feel like God is even changing me more and more as I keep growing and getting older. And and, and there's like space and, and I don't know if like peace is the right word, but just like learning to really carry joy, carry peace. I remember someone when I was younger said to me, like, you have the gift of joy. And I remember like, always holding on to that. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be a joyful person? And, mm-hmm. and the enemy, like he wants to come in and try to use all the things to distract us. Right. And to pull that out away from us. But I think I'm in a season where the Lord's like re-showing me what it means to be super joyful. So that's been really cool. And then I am on Maui full time back here for like, you know, people who know me, I was here for seven straight years and then COVID hit. And I think it was actually eight and COVID hit yeah. And then from there, I did the <laughs> the COVID time. All my family's on the mainland and I'm the only one in Hawaii. And so I was like, man, I still technically live here. But speaking of like creative and all these things, I was like, I really want one of those sprinter vans and I want to build it out. And I want to like safely travel across the US and I want to see my family and my siblings were having kids. And it was like, I'm not going to miss out on this and no one has jobs. And so I'm going to buy one of those like big sprinter vans and built it out, named it Lenny. And uh, drove across the United States seeing family and friends. And yeah, it was really, really cool. But Maui is home. So I had a season of that and a few other things. But yeah, Maui's home. And so, yeah, lots of things have been bringing a lot of joy lately. You don't even know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I just think of her listeners. When she says mainland, that means like the U.S. Like, Yeah. So like, sorry. This California, Arizona. Yeah, there'll be little things like that that come up. So like if you live in Hawaii, everything that is, we're part of the U.S., right? But everything that is, we say, across the pond is the mainland. And so, yeah, California, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, 
all over the U.S. I was able to like drive and travel and see people. It's really cool. So so cool. So do you still own Lenny? Like, is he still parked somewhere? Oh, I wish. I loved, I loved Lenny. He is not. I sold, I sold my van. Um, I figured after about two years, it was just a wise decision to make coming back to Hawaii. I actually like shipped to Hawaii thinking, oh, I'll run it out here and, and do that for a while. And they had some laws change here in Hawaii. So I was just like, oh, that's not another thing. There's no need. That's what we would say. There's just no need. So I ended up selling it. And then that's when other adventures kind of came into play, which was really, really cool. But I said, when I sold it, I said, there's one, I'm going to buy like one trip. Cause anytime I travel, I do ministry, like I do missions and you know, it's very rare that I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to go here just to go. And my church was going to Israel. And so after I sold the band, that was my one thing I was going to go to Israel for, I think we went for like 12 days and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad it, it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. So yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to back up just for people to understand our context of how mm-hmm. you and I know each other, which yeah. is actually really fun to think through because it feels like forever ago. Do you remember meeting on the rooftop of a pool? Yes. <laughs> okay. So yesterday I was thinking back through it all and I was like, I remember it vividly because there was uh, another guy with you uh-huh. and then like all of our guys with crossover and, you know, and Kirby and Troy and Zoe, and we were all together and Heidi. And, and I remember walking up there and meeting you and yeah, I remember it vividly. I remember honestly being like, I think I was 20, I was 21 or something like that or 20. And I was like, these people are so cool. Like I just <laughs> These people are so cool. And I just like was this young 20-year-old being like, man, I've made it. I've made it with these people. So that's amazing. Well, and for people that are listening, the atmosphere environment of this pool was like a rooftop pool deck, like at a bougie apartment complex downtown high rise. But it's just so neat. So that was probably my guess is like 2011 ish and then fast forward i had resigned from a full-time job in 2013 and jumped out on my own and then shortly thereafter i started working with heidi and zoe and bobby and all of these people that were also connected to maui through the ministry basketball maui so i had the opportunity to come and coach for a season they did summer camps. You can explain it way better than I can. Um, I came for one week in 2014. And then in 2015, I came back for the 10 year, I believe, and helped with the film and some of the events. And And Lauren was, you're talking about being an extrovert. And it was like, it was so great to even just see you and all of your friends and you were friends with every single coach. And like, you basically ran the show. And um you know, I know there were other people, but it was just so fun to see you in your element and just wild. That was way back in 2014 and 15. Yeah, almost 10 years ago, which is so wild. Man, it was such a fun season. I look back often and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what a way to like live in my 20s. It was the best. Like there are moments, everyone, there's always hard seasons, there's things, right? Like, but yeah, I got to run these camps and invite all the people I love, all the people I'd done sports ministry with, all the people I had interacted with throughout the years. And I got to invite them to come and be a part of this ministry. And we got to spend a whole week together. Like we would work hard. And then after we were done at like 
running these camps, sharing the gospel, being with these kids, we would get off and be like, all right, what are we all doing? Like, you guys want to go to the beach? You want to go to the river? You want to go? I think we did um, the film festival. Like we would just do all these different things together. And it was just a really fun season. Yeah, it was an amazing. I've been able to talk with some people lately who are a part of Basketball Maui, depending on different years. And a lot of people are just like, man, I just, I love those times. Like I miss those times, you know? So it was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I only got to come like two years in a row. And I just, I know of other people that I continue to follow and just see like, it was year after year. And like, I'll never forget Chauncey coming out and experiencing the taco truck with Ben. It's like 10 o'clock the night before we start camp. And he had never touched the ocean. And we were like, let's go to the ocean. Like, let's put our feet in the ocean. It was so amazing. Oh my goodness. It is really cool. There are some people like Nick and Stevie, they they started with me. I'll I'll never forget because... I was with Crossover International, which was out of Denver, and it was uh, all, all this group we're talking about. And then we, in 2011, came over and helped Basketball Maui. That was my first time with Crossover. You know, I'd come for vacation as a kid, but like we came over and we run these camps, and Nick Moultrie was with us at the time, and he still comes out every summer. So I've seen Nick, I think he's, they might be on their 12th or 13th summer helping with camps. I think Chauncey and Tara might be in gosh, like they're ninth or 10th, like people are still here. They're still coming and it's super sweet. Yeah. I know so many people just love it here. It's, it's like a home away from home for so many, which is sweet. It doesn't matter if it's one year, if it's 12 years, it's like, it's a special place. It really is. Absolutely. I love that. I even think of people that might be tuning in going, what is this basketball Maui? I can link it in the show notes, but I did have an opportunity to talk to not only Ben on the podcast and his story with Basketball Maui and Hope Chapel, but then also Josh that runs Vertical Sports now. So that was neat just to see how it's grown and how it's changed. And people might be like, what's the big deal about Basketball Maui? But it's, we think about the best most epic summer camp you can experience as a kid. And that's what these kids get to experience on the island of Maui and in athletics. But they're also being poured into by semi-pro and professional basketball and now all sports um, players. And they're also reminding them, which I loved what Troy and Bob would use to communicate, like you're a miracle. And they would get poured into by these people that they want to become not just basketball skills, but life skills and like the ministry aspect of pouring into them saying like, no, you've been created on purpose and for a purpose. And it's not just a ball sport. Yeah. It's cool. You said that I was reading even the other day, just like in first Corinthians. And it talks about like, Paul says, I've come not only to baptize, but I've come to preach the gospel. And I was thinking even about just basketball Maui, the new ministry I'll be in and all this. It's like, we come in with this idea of like, we want kids to have fun. Like we want them to enjoy this time. We want them to create memory. Mm-hmm. A camp or these kind of experiences, they can change you forever. Like it's a huge part of my story. That's how I got saved, like through NBC. I look back at that and I'm like, it can change a kid forever. But we don't just do it just for them to have a good memory or just to have a fun time. But we create that so that we can preach the gospel so that they can have a hope that's long lasting. It's not something that's just momentary, but it's like eternal. And so it's super sweet, like all the different stories and and that statement you said about you're a miracle. We used to always say the three. It's like, where are you right here right now? Who are you? I'm a miracle. And then why? And they would say, because God made me. 
And we would get stories of, you know, kids at camp who maybe weren't the most athletic or maybe even kids who were and their parents would come up and be like, yeah, in the shower, they've been repeating this over and over and over again. Like, is this a chant you guys do? And they would start asking us. And it was just sweet to be like, I'm glad that's what they're taking away. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, athletics end. They end at a certain point. It doesn't matter if you go professionally, mm-hmm. high school, call it like it, it's going to end for all of us. The best of the best, Michael Jordan. It's over. Like he's not playing anymore. Sure. But what is this impact that has been left in the life of a child or of a person? If it can be the gospel, there's nothing greater. It's just the best. So yeah. Yeah, it was such a great job. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's dive into you, the most recent season because I know you and I connected, gosh, earlier this spring and you were embarking on a fun adventure and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just love for you to share about your season with this ministry called YWAM. I'll let you share about it. And I know that you had some amazing epiphanies and lessons that you learned along the way and whatever you want to share about that. I'd love for you to just dive in. Yeah, so it was really cool. So I I was on the mainland doing the van, all these things. And then I came back and I'm more convinced now, I think in my life that God puts callings on people. I think you can do anything as far as work as vocation. Like you really can, like we have the ability and and God's so good. He lets us choose. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that God puts certain callings on certain people's life. It might be everyone. I don't know. I I came back to Maui after the COVID era, everything's happening. And I put in my mind, I'm going to, I'm going to go into property management. I'm going to make a ton of money. I am going to just kill the game. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go into this. So I, I, you know, get a job with dear friends and I start working with them and, you know, they were so patient and gracious with me and I am miserable. One of the most like hard seasons for me and not because anyone did anything wrong, but because I was trying to fit myself into this other realm that it just wasn't my calling. It's just not how the Lord made me. And so about eight months in, I'm just like, man, I can't do this anymore. And I'm sitting in a Bible study with a few friends and we're reading through Galatians. And there's a, a verse, it's Galatians, I think five, seven. And it says like, you were running so well and doing what the Lord called you to, what hindered you? Like what stopped you? Wow. And that verse hit me. And in my group, I was like, man, I think I've always been called to missions. I think I've always been called to ministry. It's what I know. It's what I'm good at. It's what I love. I wake up with dreams and vision since I was young, since I got saved. Like I got saved at 13. And I remember my first dream and vision was at 15. And I have journals from years and years and years of just all these dreams and visions. And a lot have come to pass. Like really they have worked and the Lord has been good. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like for those, like we were talking about basketball and vertical sports, basketball Maui became vertical sports and expanded. And I was directing camps. And then when it shifted, I made the choice of like, hey, I'm going to move in a different direction as COVID had hit. I'm going to go be with family. And then Josh came at the perfect timing. Like it was the Lord, you know? But then all of a sudden I'm like, well, they have a director now. <laughs> like they have stuff going on now. And I'm sitting there and just processing like, well, I don't know like if there's space in that right now. I don't know. I could go back. I was dealing with some other stuff just personally. It was like, I was just so frustrated. And I sat in my living room and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm not happy. I'm so discontent with what I'm doing. I'm trying to be what I think I should be or what people have said about, Lauren, where's your retirement? Where's your, you know, where are your finance? Where are this? And I'm making good money doing what I'm doing. All of a sudden, like I have a friend who calls and it's just like, Hey, have you ever considered YWAM? She knew I was having a hard time. 
you ever considered YWAM? I said, yeah, you know, through the years I've considered YWAM, which YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission. It's this massive missions organization all around the world. You can probably find a YWAM in almost any city, almost any country. Uh, Lauren Cunningham recently passed, actually, just uh, like a month ago, and, and he was the founder of it. And he had this amazing vision where he saw waves coming up and coming onto the shore, but it turned into young people and it was going on to every part of, of the world and they were sharing the gospel. And so, yeah, this guy was just wild. He, he's a visionary. And so, you know, I start researching a little bit and then I do the, the, I don't know if it's typical or if it's typical for me. I start doing the like, well, Lord, if this is what you want, then make the interview just be the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. So I, you know, do the application and then she's like, hey, let's FaceTime. I get on the call with the overseer of my school. A, a DTS is a discipleship training school. Within YWAM, you have a, a DTS that's about five to six months. And then from there, you can move on to full-time missions with them or someone else or advanced schools. So it's the intro. And uh, I talked to this girl named Jessa, and we hit it off. We're like, it's supposed to be an interview and I'm on the phone for like three hours with her, FaceTiming her, talking to her kids. Like we're just having the best time. So I get off the phone. I'm like, well, I said to my roommate, I think I'm going to YWAM, but then I have to fundraise. And so I'm like, well, Lord, if you really want me to go, then you'll just make it happen. Cause I am in a weird state and I just, whatever, like, if you want me to go, you'll make it happen. So I start fundraising, reaching out to some people and I had to raise, I think just around like 10,000, something like that. And within like three weeks, I'm at like 7,000. Like, it's just like ridiculous. Like, I'm just like, what in the world? I'm getting people calling me like, Hey, I heard you doing why I'm, Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Let me give you money. Where, where's your link? This, this is wild. And I had a few things I sold that I was like, it, like things that <laughs> I like put it at a price where it's like, no one will buy this. It's just too high. And then someone would be like, Oh, that's a great price. I'll buy it. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? So, uh, so it was this wild journey where like the Lord wanted me there. He chose me for that season to go. And so I go to Kona. There's a YWAM, the biggest spaces in Kona. I thought I want to be close to home. You know, I was like, love Maui. I love my church. I go to a Calvary Chapel here. I was getting sad about leaving, but also like, Lord, I feel like you want to do something in my life. And so I go over there and do training and it just rocks my world. The DTS training and some of those teachers who come through are just these amazing, amazing people who just love the Lord, who have a history with the Lord, who really it's like a healing time. Like all of a sudden I'm sitting in this class thinking like they're going to teach me how to be the most effective missionary. And I go in and it's like, hey, like, where are you with the Lord? Are you bitter about things? Are, is there things, are there wounds that we need to heal? Is there areas that need to be delivered? And uh, And I grew up a little more... <laughs> I don't know if I grew up more conservative. I don't know sometimes in, in that, but I think I have some uh, religious ideals that have kind of hung with me. So when I heard the word like deliverance, I was just like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> like, I'm not into this. But, yeah. But I went into these like sessions, you know, where I sit with this women and we would just talk about these past things, either sins that have been in my past that have I haven't like released to the Lord or fear that is still lingering from my childhood or, or just big, big things in my life. And all of a sudden I'm beginning to feel free, like freer than I think I've ever felt. Like when I got saved, I felt free. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you go through in life and, and the enemy, he like, he wants to veer us. Like he wants to mess with us, you know? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'm walking in this freedom that I hadn't felt in years. It was some of the best yeah. moments of my life. 
I will look back so fondly on YWAM and, and just like the training and what they did in Kona and what they did for me. And, and then, you know, like YWAM is still human and has human nature. And, you know, I go on outreach and outreach was really tough and wasn't the best experience, but like, you know, we had some dynamics and things at play that just made it really difficult. And, uh, but I kept saying, if out of that five months, even though those two months in Samoa had some beautiful moments, but were really, really challenging but that three months up front in Kona made it all worth it. It was just God did a work in my heart that mm-hmm. I have did for a long, long time. And so it kind of led me into this direction of like, I really thought I was going to stay with YWAM. I really thought, oh, this is going to be it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm called to it. I have the personality for it. My parents are so gracious and and. I'm like, I'm always the child keeping them on edge, like out of all my siblings, <laughs> like, you know, I'm always the one just like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to be a missionary and I don't have any money. So we'll see what God does. You know, like I am that one. So yeah, it's just been, it was a really cool experience and, and there's still pieces like I'm, I'm working through some of the hard stuff and some of the disappointments, but I think that's life, right? Like in, in this life, we have to learn like there's going to be so much beauty and so much disappointment. And when we can hold them both and be like, I see both, I see what's going on. It's okay for me to feel this disappointment, but I also, he did really good things there in Samoa. There were some ministry opportunities. I think we really missed and missions. And, and then you go, you go on a mission trip with people from all over the world. Like there were three Americans, 10 Norwegians on my team, someone from Taiwan, India, Canada. And so now you're trying to do this missions experience, but you're with people who think different than you, who mm-hmm. react different than you, who come from a different background and call. And it's, it challenges you. It really puts this, like, it's so easy for me to be like, Oh, my way is right. And it's like, well, in Norway, maybe that wouldn't be right in Taiwan. Maybe that's not right. Like in India, they do things different. And that is the beauty of like, God is with all of us. It's just that we have had different cultural experiences that have brought us to our place here in decision-making. And so yeah, so there's still some of that to like walk through and process through about YWAM. But overall, I'm so grateful. The Lord, He taught me so much in that time. And I needed to be there for that time because of what's coming. And He knew that. And so, I love yeah, that. there's so much more to say on it. But <laughs> no, I love all of that. And I just think knowing the little bit that I know of the background and how you summarized your experience. Your words are just, you're really gracious in the way that you describe your time. And I love that joy can coexist with sorrow and that we can experience really high mountaintops while also walking through the valleys. And I think that's kind of how God designed our faith walk with Him, because if it was all a plateau, we wouldn't have these incredible mountaintops or incredible epiphanies, and we also wouldn't have these low valleys where we're just like, God, I need you. And I need that breakthrough and I need that epiphany. (laughs) Well, one of the things, and we can go back if you wanted to add to that is I know that you had this incredible epiphany about Maui and your desire to come home. I would love to hear about that. And then anything else that you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to say like on what you were saying, as far as like the mountaintops and the valleys. And we have a, you know, Hawaii, we have lots of volcanoes. We have inactive volcanoes and we have one here. It's Haleakala is like our national park. It's our volcano. And, and uh, there's a good friend of mine. He always reminds me of when you get to a certain point on your way up to Haleakala, it takes maybe two hours from where I live or an hour and a half. When you get to a certain point, the tree line stops, right? Because you're getting up, it gets really cold, it changes the the nature, scenery, everything changes. 
and nothing grows above that line, right? So like when you get up, there's only one, we only have one plant, it's called a silver sword. And it, I don't think it grows anywhere else in the world. And it's the only thing that survives up above, right? And that's like a miracle. When you get up top, you have like the most beautiful views. It's like of the island. You can see the whole island, the sunrise, the sunset. It will change you. If you come to Hawaii, it's a must. If you come, I will take you if you listen to this. <laughs> that is my personality. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like once you get up there, everything's beautiful and it's serene, but nothing grows above that line. And like we're always reminded, like all the like fruit and everything, like all the trees and all of our resources grow in that valley. And that's just how life is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were so many moments, even in Samoa, I would say more in the valley than I was in the mountaintop in Samoa. Mm-hmm. And But I look now when I've come back home and the growth that happened and the kind of the word I think of is just kind of like the rubbing that happened in there was so hard and so painful. But then I came back and it really did lead me into why I came back. You know, I I was sitting in Samoa and sitting under, again, another Hawaiian term. We'll give all the Hawaiian and and Samoan and Tongan terms we can. But uh, we have like these huts, like they're these indoor, outdoor kind of huts. And in Hawaii, we call them hales. But in Samoa, they call them fales. So very oh, close, a little bit Polynesian culture, a little close yeah. and different. So I was sitting under a fale and I was just processing with the Lord some of my disappointments. And I wanted to go to Samoa. I wrote in a journal, I think it was 2015. I looked back about going to Samoa. And I had, when I taught here on Maui, like I had kids who were Samoan, I had kids who were Tongan, Marshallese. I love Polynesian culture. There's something so beautiful about the culture here. And so I wanted to go there. So there were some disappointments, right, in that. And I was sitting under the folly and I was just asking the Lord, like, Lord, what is happening? Why did you bring me all the way here for these disappointments? Why did you you bring me here? And and some of the work, I just feel like, what, what are we doing? What is the point of us being here? And, you know, I didn't hear a distinct answer in the moment, but then I just was like, man, Lord, I want to be a missionary. I thought I would be with YWAM. I want to be a missionary. And then just a few days later, I started getting phone calls and started getting messages like Lauren Lahaina burned down. Lauren Lahaina, look what happened to Lahaina. We're getting calls from friends on the mainland. Lauren, where are you? <laughs> like, Where are you safe? You know, and, and a lot of people even said that because Lahaina is one of my favorite places. It's mm-hmm. anywhere I have off, I'm going to Lahaina. Anytime I get to go surf, I'm going to Lahaina. Okay. Anytime I need to go think and be with the Lord, I'm driving through Lahaina, up around the West Mauis, and, and that's my time with the Lord. I love that place. And and so I'm sitting there and getting all these calls, and, and I started just to like ache for home. I considered leaving quite a few times, and but at the same time, really felt like, Lord, I, I need to finish, and I need to be here. And my teammates were really encouraging, we want you to finish, because we had about two, three weeks and just watching from a distance is it's devastating, you know, and like, I didn't personally have any friends pass, uh, but I had friends lose businesses, lose jobs, mm-hmm. lose boats, lose, lose everything. Right. And, and then you just ache for the family. We're, we're a small town, like Hawaii, like Maui, especially it's just small, you know, people. And even my church yesterday, it was just like, they're so sweet. And so lots of churches, lots of people on Island, but I got to deliver groceries to families yesterday and I, you know, drive up and just seeing their faces and being with them. And you're just like, man, like this is life, Lord. This is mm-hmm. a point of desperation, a prayer, of prayer, of devastation. And yeah, so I started praying, repraying that prayer. Lord, I want to be a missionary, but I want to go home. And then I said, Lord, what will you do about this? <laughs> and like, sometimes I wonder if I'm too bold when I say things to the Lord, but at the same time, I've just learned, like, you just talk to him as it is. Like, Lord, I can't do anything. Like, you have to do it. So like, what will you do about this? Because mm-hmm. I want this and mm-hmm. something. And uh, I left it, finished off the trip, went back to Kona. 
we had a, you know, a, a last week together working through some of the stuff. And then I landed on Maui and I was thinking, I'm going to go back into teaching. I'm going to go back into, maybe I'll become a sub and then I'll get back into that. And just, you know, I don't know how that prayer would be answered. And, and what does it mean to go home and be a missionary, right? We, we've been taught our whole lives. You go to Africa, you go to China, you go to Dominican. This is missions, right? But I'm, I'm more convinced we're going to have people coming, especially after YWA. I'm like, I had Korean, my Korean aunties that were older than me in, in my group and them being like, oh, we're going to come preach the gospel in America. America needs the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong at all. So I land and I get a text from Kyle. He's our FCA, which is a fellowship of Christian athletes. It's a beautiful missions organization, nonprofit. And he calls me and he goes, hey, can we have coffee the day I land? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Then the next day we meet up and the day you land. That is so cool. The day you land, you know, it's funny. I just, I didn't think a whole lot of it. I, you know, he had talked to me before I left about FCA. And I think at the time I even made a comment like, well, if you guys need someone in the future, but, and I honestly, I had written it down, but I think I was just so, I had some like disappointments I was dealing with and was just like, whatever, you know? And, and so I land, get the text and he's like, hey, can we grab coffee? Sure. So we sit down and he starts talking about how FCA is growing up country and, and also to aiding Lahaina. They've done a beautiful job of getting gear for those kids and going over. And now kids are back at Lahaina Luna, which is a school up on top of the mountain. And then Lahaina Town is down below. So they're still going to school in that area. And a lot of them are driving over, living in hotels, you know. And, and so they're bringing them gear. They're, you know, the football team, they're getting them all their pads, all their cleats, all their, you know, everything we can think of. So he's telling me these stories and he's like, yeah, so we would love you to be on the board. And then he pauses and he goes, you know, more than the board though, Lauren, like we would really love for you to be on our team. Like we would love for you to be full-time with us. It's missions, like full-time support raising full-time, just trusting the Lord and full-time in this area. And since I've moved to Maui, since I have moved here, like everyone has their little places they love. People love up country. The country, there's lots of horses and it's green. And Kihei is right on the beach. I lived there for a long time. And West Side is its own entity, like Lahaina Town. And, and it's just beautiful. But I love Wailuku. It is the center. It's near the airport, Kahului and Wailuku are these two towns near the airport near Costco. It's like super local, super just all the families who have been here for generations. And I've been in love with it since I moved here. And uh, even Ben, I had a conversation with him the other day and I was just telling him like, I I love it. I love it so much. And uh, they asked me to oversee all of Wailuku. So all the schools, we have, you know, a bunch of high schools, a bunch of middle schools, a bunch of elementary schools. They're kind of the schools that are rough. (laughs) Someone the other day was like, man, bless you. Cause those are the rough kids. Those are the kids. Like when you go in and sub there, like a fight's going to break out or like someone's going to be cussing at someone. And, and I'm just like, for me, like that doesn't bug me. Like I've worked at EL school. I've, I've worked at these schools and like, I love those kids. Mm-hmm. And those kids are predominantly Tongan, Samoan, Marshallese, Hawaiian, Filipino. There are local islands all surrounding and they have a story. They have a real history of like why they're here and, and why they've come here. And and sometimes I think because they're the lower income or the the local families, we think like they're just kind of like living in that. But like we don't realize where they've come from. They've mm-hmm. come from like these other islands where there maybe was an opportunity and they found the opportunity here. And they're multi-generational homes and they really care about their culture. And it's like, I just believe God can intersect that. I believe that God wants to meet them in their culture and he wants to meet them in their sports. 
And I have journals of this written for years. You know, we're talking since 2015 of just like, God, I want you to move in Wailuku. I want you to move in Samoa, in Tonga, in Marshall Islands, because I believe like if we can build up disciples here, then how much greater is it if I take them back to Samoa or them back to Tonga or them back to Marshall Islands? Like I can go into Samoa. I did. There's an impact, but I show up with 10 Samoan young adults and they've been discipled for 10 years with us. And then now they're preaching the gospel to their people. There's just nothing better. Totally. Like there's nothing better than that. So, Oh, I love that so much. It just yeah. makes my heart happy. Yeah. I'm like, yep. I'm like, what was the question? I got so excited. <laughs> no, so, and you talked about it. It's you had talked about how you're during COVID you were like, okay, maybe my season on Maui is done and I'm going to yeah. take a different job and all of this stuff and how, the Lord in his graciousness reminds you, I've created you on purpose for a purpose. And yeah. your heart's desire is to be a missionary. You know, it's funny because we did, we all grew up with this mentality of the word missionary is like, we're going to somewhere else. Whereas like, mm -hmm. what if our mission field is right where we are? And it's so interesting that you say all that. I had this experience in, um, I was in Wales in September at a retreat center and I was telling a girlfriend that I've been trying to leave Colorado for gosh, easily 10 years. And my narrative at the time was that the Lord wouldn't allow, he just wouldn't allow circumstances to work out to get me to California, which is where like a big part of my heart is. And you know that like anybody yeah. who knows me knows I'm, yeah. like I'm a California girl through and through. Yeah. However, I had this huge epiphany in Wales where I was like, oh my gosh, it's not that he won't let me go. It's he won't let me leave. It was like this gracious epiphany because of his mercy, because of his grace, he allowed me to discover that. And now I'm in a season currently where I'm like, I don't want to go. I want to be here. And I'm so excited for what the Lord is doing here and relating it back to your story, had you been like, I'm moving back to the mainland and I'm going to live in Arizona and I'm going to live in a tiny home or whatever, how much you would have missed. The yeah. Lord is just like, trust me with your time. Give yeah. me a year or two and I'm going to work it all out. <laughs> and now you're a resident in Maui again and doing yeah. exactly what you prayed for. And that's the funny piece I had written in my journal because I, I had a tiny home on hold. Like I had a payment on it. Like I had the ability to move to Northern California. I actually have some friends up there that I adore. I love spending time with them. Like I love Redding, California. There's pieces of it. I was up there for school at a certain point and, and I've just been like, Oh, I just want to go to Redding. I just want to, you know, I didn't want to deal with some of the pain or the things I was dealing with here. And I just felt like the Lord actually moved me to Kona to like reheal some of those so he can bring me back. Because I truly believe like when we're actually in our calling that you have more joy, more peace, more certainty, even if it makes sense to no one else. What I was doing in, in property management and working in that realm, it made sense. I had insurance. I, I was making good money. I had the ability to line up to investments. I had these different things and it's all a vision and a dream. And they're not bad things. They're great things. But some of the misery came from us because it's like, the Lord is like, this isn't your calling though, Lauren. Like mm -hmm. he can give me all those things inside my calling. Like we believe that like, oh, I have to strive and do this in order to keep up, but the Lord can still do this in my calling. Like I can still be wise with my money. I can still have a retirement. I can still own something someday. I can still do that in my calling. And I believe the Lord will bless that in my life as I do what he's asked me to do. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I know your desires. I know what you want, mm-hmm. but can you just do what I've asked you to do? And then we'll, I'll take care of that. It's not an accident that the Lord is like, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be given to you. And I'm like the prime example of like, for some reason, I don't believe that day. So <laughs> there's days I wake up and I'm like, no, 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 I got to do this. I'll take this into my hands. And he's like, Lauren, again, Lauren, like, trust me. <laughs> so easy to believe that for other people and yet have our own complex of like why we will or won't believe what God tells us is for us. So it's always a process. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it will continue. That's the part of holding the beauty and holding the pain and being like, Lord, you know, I have to figure out to hold these both. And some days one will feel a little weightier, but the reality is, is like, he's good. I think it was Andy Bird at YWAM when he came and taught, which Andy Bird's great teacher. And, and he came and he said when his mother had passed away, like him and his brother, they had prayed for healing. They had prayed for her to be here, to not leave in their twenties. Right. And he said, when she passed, they literally said like, Hey, you know, like you take a stake and you put it in the ground. And he's like, we're going to put a stake in the ground and just say that God's good. He's faithful. He didn't fail us. And it's like, yeah, that's, I have to recite that many days. God is faithful. He's good. He's trustworthy. He's not withholding anything and he's going to take care of me. And even if I don't believe it or feel it for a moment, like I just got to keep saying it because we just live in a broken world. So this is the reality. I can experience his joy and his goodness in, in life with him. And at the same time, I'm human. I'm going to feel these things. And, and he knows that. Yeah. He's good. He's faithful. He's for us, you know? That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. One, even yeah. just jumping on that, which everything of what you just said, mm-hmm. I would hope that somebody who's listening is you know, if they're driving, they pulled over to take notes and, or just, you know, your mark, the 42 minute mark. Yeah. I just think about what about the people that feel like they have a dream or a vision that God has given them and they're in the middle of their waiting season? Like, how would you encourage them just mm-hmm. to wait on God for next steps? You know, maybe it is about knowing his heart, but is there any words of encouragement that you would continue to share to somebody that is in that waiting place? Man, yeah. I think we have days, right? Like there's days where they're just a little bit easier. And, you know, if you would have called me three days ago, I probably would have been like, nope, I got nothing. I got, you know, and those were, I, had, yeah, I had a few really, really hard days this week of just struggling through the fight of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The accuser just giving me the lies and, and then having to fight with that and bring others into that with me. And so I think that would be a big thing. Like, man, who's your tribe? Who are you people? Because I can today, because of where I'm at, I could say, man, uh, some of the practicals would be, hey, do you have a list written out of truth? Like, do you have a list of, of, this is what is true of God and are you reciting those? Are you going through a daily gratefulness and surrendering and giving that to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Are you at the end of the night replaying your day and thanking God for every moment? Like they say gratefulness really does change our brain chemically. And so that's a huge practical game changer. But on those days that you just can't, who's your tribe? Who are your people? I had so many people praying for me the last few days. I had so many people when I can sit on the phone and just be angry with like so many good friends that I'm like, I said to a friend the other day, look at my life. My life's wonderful. Really, if I take my life and I put it in a map, it's like, I've lived a cool life. God's been so good. I've done so many cool things. I have a great family, great friends. I've traveled the world. It fits me. And then there's some disappointments in my life and those kind of took over the other day. And so in that, I had to call those people. I had to call them and be like, hey, I'm really angry with God right now. Mm-hmm. But I still 
God for a living. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people like to hear their missionaries being like, yeah, I'm just really angry with God today. I, I resent him for a few things. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time in that honesty being like, but I love him and I want to live for him, but I just don't get this. So it's like, you need those people. You need that tribe and you need those friends. And then from there at the same time, man, you need to read the truth, like be in the word daily, recite the word. One thing again, Andy Bird, he said, man, are you praying scripture? Are you not only just reading it, but then are you sitting there praying it? And, and we would, at YWAM, he would teach us, hold your Bible and pace, man. Hold your Bible for an hour, pace and pray and, and pray. And there's something about the movement, right, of knowing the words in front of you, praying these words and pacing and just asking the Lord. We, oh man, I believe it's man. It's either the Greek, Greek or Hebrew, but it just talks that like we bewail the Lord. Like we cry out with like these groans, right? And the Holy Spirit groans for us of like, Lord, here I am. I'm reading your word. I'm praying it out. Help me. I, I need you. And so those are just like two things I think that are just like realistic. What are you doing? What is in your mind daily? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? And is it truth? Because we're in a battle. This life as a Christian, it's not for the faint of heart. And it's it's a wild thing. I, I don't have, or we know a lot of people in my life who've walked away. A lot of people who are not with the Lord anymore because life got hard and I get it. There's been so many things in my life. It could have been easy to walk away. There were seasons I considered it. There were seasons I said, Lord, if you don't change this, I don't know if I can believe you. All the while I'm telling him this, right? So he's real. But it's just this reality of like, man, that in the, those betweens, we have to hold on to truth and we need people who are going to fight for us in those days. Yeah. Because we can't do it alone. Totally. We're, just, we're not made for it. So, no. Gosh, that's all so good. And that's really beautiful. And it does show the authentic heart of who you are and how you chase God and that God meets us in those times. I mean, that's what the Psalms are all about David's yeah. cries of just, where are you? I need you. And then him reminding his own heart of God's faithfulness. Could you imagine scripture without the Psalms? No way. Oh, man. The Psalms are, you know, just being vulnerable. Like the other, the last few days were really hard. And the other night I'm sitting there and I'm laying in bed crying about some stuff. And, and I just felt like the Lord was like, Lauren, Psalm 88, read it, pray it. And so I grabbed and Psalm 88 is just this gut wrenching song where he's like day and night, like you've left me. Where have you gone? Like, why have you abandoned me? And he says on the very last line, darkness is my only friend. The depth of darkness is the only thing I have. But it's like David understood the darkest and deepest places. And he wrote those and like, praise the Lord, he did. Like, and he was probably in the greatest pain writing that. And now thousands of years later, it helps me find comfort in the Lord, even though it's painful. Yeah, I couldn't imagine life without Psalms. It's such a beautiful portrayal of who he was and, and how he was a man after God's own heart how he failed. But then at the same time, like he just kept running back to the Lord. Yeah. Just amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want to honor your time. I have two questions left. The first one is super important. I just like, I would love to know how listeners can support you. I know you and I discussed earlier and I'm not afraid to do a hard ask. Um, (laughs) Lauren needs financial help, you guys. So if, if you are in a position and you call her friend, even if you call her a new friend, just based mm-hmm. off of the last hour, I would love to ask on her behalf that you would consider supporting her. And then tell us what else. I can link 
your profile in our show notes and how yeah. we can find you. And yeah, we'll have, we'll have the the link and I'll make sure to get that to you. And then, yeah, I'm really looking for partners. Like I'm looking for monthly partners. And then the reason we say partners rather than just like a donor or someone, you know, like obviously whatever the Lord wants to do, if, if it's through a donor or through a business or a company, or that's amazing. But I think of partners just because I want to share in this with you. When a kid, just even yesterday, we were talking about how we're going to start like weight training program with kids or a different sport, or paddling clubs or rugby or whatever our sports are going to be. And it's every time we walk in and we get a kid a Bible, you're partnered in that. Every time I get to like preach the gospel and share the truth or one of my coaches will have like these huddle groups where we have different coaches and, and we get together little small groups of kids and share the gospel and, and work out together and be together. And every time we get to do that, you've partnered in that. Like you've made a difference for the kingdom. I really believe Maui is on the cusp of revival. I really do. You can't have something as devastating as Lahaina come through. And as many people now, we've absorbed in Wailuku about like a thousand families alone. And then there's tons of families who are on the other. There are people everywhere looking for hope. There's athletic directors calling and asking Kyle to come into Lahaina Luna and, and yeah, preach the gospel, do what you want in a public school. Wow. We are right on the edge of like there being revival because when devastation comes, you need great hope. You need something that's beyond you because this doesn't make sense. Like what happened for us doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so you get to partner in that whoever wants to. And, and I've had so many great people already and I'm, I'm so excited. I'm believing, I'm believing for January 3rd. My boss is wonderful. He's on a Wahoo. His name's Daniel. And, and he's like, man, you are like, like a fast tracker, you know, like most people are, you know, maybe five or six months uh, of uh, fundraising. And I'm like, no, we have two months. We have two months. The new year's coming and there's work to be done. And so I am, I've been working for about two weeks now and I have eight weeks left and I'm just believing, I'm believing that God's going to fully fund me and that we are going to start the work in the new year. And I'm so, I can't wait. I just get so, so happy. <laughs> so yeah, the, you know, who really wants and is interested and would love to connect with people. Yeah. And we can have the links and then also to even phone calls. I love talking, FaceTiming, all the things. It'd be wonderful. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. Well, and I will be sure to link every every way that people can get in touch with you on the show notes. So make sure you check those out. And then the last question, you know, I know some of what you shared, but at the same time, you can also expand on something new is um, what place are you between? And then how can we pray for you? Yeah. Oh, what place am I between? I think I am between right now. And I think we kind of talked about it with the beauty and pain, right? I'm in between a, a little bit of a expectancy of great things coming in my future and in my life and just disappointments. I love being in sports ministry. I love doing what I do. I work majority with men. <laughs> it's funny. I always joke. I'm like, I've worked with men for years. You know, it's very, very few that I work with women. Um, when I taught, I worked with a little more women, but sports ministry, it's, it's mostly men. And so being a single woman in that, it, it can hold some really fascinating experiences where there's just like, man, Lord, like I want to do this and have a family. Like I want to do this and I, I want to have a husband and partner. I want to do it with him. I, I had a, to be blunt, like I had a vision when I was 15 and, and I saw the things I've been doing with my life. Like I saw sports ministry. I'd been saved at 13. I had dreams about what I'm going to do with my life. 
And I always saw a partner with me. And I always saw like, oh, I always said, we're going to have six kids. And we're going to take them all over the world and do sports ministry. People are going to get saved. Like, it's going to be awesome. Um, and so there's this expectancy. Like, I'm still waiting. I'm looking at 20 years. Like, and then also, too, this like side of what, Lord? Like, am I, am I doing something wrong? Like, I don't know. That's not true. You know, I know it's not. And we're also just like, Lord, like, what are you doing? What are you up to in my life? And, and learning to ask the what. And hows rather than why, because why just leads me to, you know, anger, anger or bitterness or stuff like yeah. that. But just asking like, Lord, like, what are you up to? And uh, this dream is, speaking of it, I remember it was in Habakkuk, it talks about just like these dreams and visions. And I sat with Zoe, you know, Zoe well, and mm-hmm. sat with, I was 20, 22 or 21. And I said, Zoe, I want to have a family. My family's meant to do this. My family's meant to do sports yeah. ministry and him praying with me. And so, yeah, I'm expecting and there's days that I am just like, what the heck? Totally. Come on, no more. Yes. Let's, let's change this, you know? And so, yeah, that's where I'm between right now. That's the honest truth yeah. of like, I love what I'm doing. My, my life is is wonderful. I would love to share it with someone. And I love to raise children in that. And so I'm like waiting and expecting and praying soon, you know, because it's that. the time. Absolutely. Well, and I love, I do love that you're in a place of expectancy because- and I say it often, so forgive me listeners, because you hear it probably every episode, but Ephesians 3.20, he could do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Yeah. And that's through his power that's working. And I just so believe that for you to posture your heart in a position of expectancy of like, yeah. God, I love my life. I'm so grateful for all of these opportunities yeah. and I'd be remiss not to thank you for it. But I still want to see these things fulfilled. And I just believe that he will meet the desires of your heart because he's a good and a faithful father. And I absolutely, I actually, I'm going to close this out in prayer and um, just want to pray for you. So people that are listening, tune in, add your prayers to this. But Lord, we just pray for Lauren right now. We just go before her and and take a stand with her and just ask that you would not only anoint her ministry, but that you would give her favor with the families that she connects with and the students that she interacts with. And, and Lord, that you would just put favor over her financial situation and bless her with every single penny that she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lord, I just, even what she talked about recently, that you would keep her heart encouraged in a place of expectancy and that you would You have the perfect timing, Lord, for when you're going to bring that person into her life and the surprise that you're going to bring um, her way in terms of a family that she gets to do ministry with and that you have everything worked out. So, Father, I just pray that you would protect her heart, protect her mind, that you would keep the enemy away, and that she would just continue to bank on your faithfulness and all of the other ways that you've met her in moments before, that you would just continue to remind her that, like it says in Habakkuk, though it linger, wait for it. It will come to pass. And though it delay, like it will come. So, Lord, we're just, we're excited to see the story that you're continuing to write through Lauren and just ask that you would bless her and that you would cause your face to shine upon her and be gracious unto her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And listeners, I'm sure you were encouraged as much as I was. I was like, you know, preaching in the back, like going, I needed to hear that from my heart. So thank you. It's so cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so fun. I love it. It's amazing to share stories. So 
That's so great. Well, I can't wait to see what God does. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you again next time on The Places Between. Have a good one. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of The Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story, a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at The Places Between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into The Places Between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.